Absolutely. Well, cheers anyway. Thank you cheers. for the peppermint tea. Absolutely. Fantastic, by the way. Love the cup. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so you obviously like. Gaming? Yeah, well, I mean. How did you know? At least that. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'm a massive fan of Fallout. I think people that are like Slash into action heroes. Comic, <laughs> comic book heroes. Hey guys, Jesse here to share with you your call to action. Encourage and inspire you on your business journey. So let's get to it. Yeah. Let's do this. We're good? Let's do it. All right, cool. That's enough smack talk. Into it. <laughs> there's, never, there's never too much. Hey everybody, what's going on? As you can tell, we've already started. We're gonna do a podcast run where we've got all the cameras running through and I wanna introduce Josh Grapes, who is a part of Concept On and we only met at the... the Classbook Design Facebook Community. Design community. Yeah. And two days ago. <laughs> two days ago, that's right. But he has been working on some great businesses and I thought there's nothing better to talk about than branding, so... That's kind of where this is all coming about. So, Josh, fill me in, man. What, how, what's your journey through? Like, what happened with you? What, why did you start Concept On and get to where you are today? Gosh, you know, it's been quite the journey. So I started uh, in sales, really, and negotiation, and then that was just retail too. But then, sort of moving through into car sales, and then winning, uh, going into account management. Uh, yeah, it's I was working corporate for quite a while. But then I, I achieved kind of what I wanted, wanted to do within that corporate space and wanted to try something completely different. So I ended up going to North America for a few years. And when I was over there, I started working for a personal PR company or personal branding, let's say. They actually, their expertise was in designing uh, people's Tinder profiles, online dating profiles, having the conversations you know, with the different matches and basically trying to promote online dating for users that either didn't have time or didn't have the social skills to be able to do it, right? So it's, in a way, you're talking about positioning and then trying to appeal to a very, very particular target audience as well. Um, and a lot of the principles that I learned through that, and that was kind of my, my, you know, cut my teeth into copywriting at that point, really started to get into it, into a lot more depth. Uh, and then took a lot of that knowledge and adapted it into, branding companies right because it's not really too dissimilar branding a person as it is to branding a company and I think as we progress uh, you know I, I think we're starting to find that a lot more people are understanding that personal branding is becoming a thing whether you're doing a podcast whether you're doing a, a twitch channel whether you're doing like even just as an individual you become your own brand and I think that when you apply those same branding principles, you can really come up with a strategy to say, all right, cool, this is what I'm about. These are my personal values. This is my vision. This is my mission statement. This is you know, what I want to see in the world, and this is how I'm going to go about achieving that. This is my purpose, etc. Interesting. So, you... so how many people did you hook up? Like, I gotta ask the question. Like, how many? It's how confidential. Many, how, like, just, no, it's just not. Enough, yeah, like a couple. Thousands? You, you connected a thousand different uh, guys more, and girls into relationships. Absolutely. Was it more guys than girls? Or was I, it more I, girls than guys? I, I supported both. So, and I found that they had different problems, right? So, yeah, like I what? I found that women had. Uh, a tough time representing themselves as they were. I think that there was this idea that they needed to be this particular profile, personality profile, 
which left a lot of their rich uh, personality off the table, completely off the table. Mm. And what, what ended up happening, the, the problem that they were having is like, well, I keep finding these kinds of guys and I'm like, well, you're kind of positioning yourself to find that type of guy in no, no different to a business that's like, I would prefer to deal with this kind of person, but I seem to keep getting the bargain hunters and I'm like, well, is your branding appealing to this kind of audience or this kind of audience? Mm. How is your messaging, etc.? That's so interesting. Just going to the relationship side of things, because it seems that the airwaves get taken up where the Beyonce's, the Kardashians, the, the Grandes out there seem to pro pro project a certain persona, so to speak. And it seems that the fan base of those feel that this is considered the normality, which then produces them to reflect themselves yeah. with certain products that they have promoted to become their own, which then produces the, the results that shares to their community, which is, as you have stated quite clearly, you lose angles of individuality through that direction. Absolutely, and I, I think that there is some beauty in that. And I, it's hard for me to work in, in marketing, in a marketing sphere and kind of say, well, yeah, uh, you know, people that are pushing certain brands or certain um, products or what have you is not a good thing. It is absolutely having influences there that legitimize products. You know, we buy, we, once upon a time, we might have bought Nike Airs because Mike Jordan was wearing them, right? Heck yeah. Like, heck yeah, that guy is wearing them and he's telling me I should get them and I like him and if he's wearing them, I should be wearing them, right? Yeah. And, but in that way, and I think that that really lends itself to branding in a way as well, because we actually inter interact with brands in the same way that you have this amazing fallout cup. We associate with that because it represents who we are. It represents our individuality. And in some ways, those people that would have bought those Nike Airs, you know, because Mark Jordan was wearing it, is because we, we relate in some way. We, we see ourselves in them, or we want to see ourselves in them, or we aspire to be that way, mm. right? Mm. So I think there is a positive side to it, but also left unchecked, you know, if we spread ourselves to, or if we niche ourselves into just one thing too much, we are trying to basically become that person, very complimentary to that person, but we lose ourselves. Mm. Right? Individuality. I guess it's like that idea that there's no original thought left, right? That, that, that thought experiment, that there is no um, original thought ever left in this world. It, that's interesting because there's enough, let's just say, like there's enough objects, classes, cultures to capture components of each of them, to bring them to make your own identity. Yes, I am a big fan of gaming. And hopefully, if people ever know what the Pip-Boy is, it's like, it's the rugged individual survival style. I totally love that. Like, I came from the country, I grew up in the desert, so I fit right in with that kind of mentality. But then there's the urbanites who feel like, uh, wearing the, the oh, what's that, not the, what's that bag? With the QVC, no QVC. Uh, the Chanel, not the Chanel. It's the one with the crisscross. Louis Vuitton? Louis Vuitton, right. yeah. yeah. Like, and I know plenty of girls that would be like, okay, that represent, represents wealth and, right. and, 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 and prestige. 
So if I have that, I'm going to attract others with wealth and prestige. But I'm like, <laughs> so, well, obviously that doesn't connect with me, but it connects with them. And so they'll find other people that will connect with the same thing that they connect with. Right. So branding's always been, from what I could understand, connecting with what you believe. And Simon Sinek's probably said it best. If you project out what you believe to others, then you, other people who also believe what you believe will join you, Absolutely. which is pretty straightforward thinking. Brand, branding, my exercise of branding in my business is just distilling that. It's just refining what's already there. That's it. You know, we just make it sound really good. That's, <laughs> but the feeling, the ideas, they're all there. They're all there in raw form and we just kind of dress them up in a way that is easily digestible. Branding is, actually I've, I've, I've recently come to tease apart branding in a couple of ways. So, so our products around branding that we sell to our customers is brand and identity. Now we're all pretty familiar with identity. We've further then broken identity down into written identity and also visual identity. So these are things like um, writing guidelines. For example, in my business concept on, you'll notice that we don't use capitalization. We don't use the word and, we use the ampersand sign instead. instead. Use the, sorry, say that again. We use the ampersand sign. What's that? Uh, it's just a, a symbol instead of, it, it means and. Oh, the and, like as in the old school and. But the, well, I guess so, but it's the, the name yeah. of it is ampersand. Oh, okay. It's ampersand okay, okay. sign. Yeah. Oh, I learned something. Uh, <laughs> so we use that. And really because we've, we've kind of, and this is a core part of our values, right? We're like, well, we want to rethink and deconstruct exactly what it is that we do and how we show up in the world. So we need to ask ourselves, how essential is capital letters? And I mean, I'm happy to even brainstorm that with you now. Do we need it? Do we need capitalization? Is it just a formality? Do we actually need it in grammar? How do we, what, what is it for? So I don't understand the problem here. So you're saying, uh, well, there's, there's no necessarily problem. It's just more, yeah. we try to take things back to the drawing board on everything and say, everything has to have a purpose. Right. And so we've asked ourselves, do we need capitalization? Now that's just a way for us to strike out and be different, be daring, showcase that we like to rethink everything. <laughs> there's gonna be grammar Nazis out there that don't like that. Do you mean like, for example, the name Nike, the name Google, the name, concept on the first letter being a capital or you mean like all in caps like i'm yeah. trying to understand so take, taking away so you know when you're proper nouns or the beginning of a sentence you've got usually use capitalization yep a capital letter uh yeah we take that away we don't do it okay yeah drastic i know <laughs> earth shattering we get a lot of comments on that but it's a way for us to be different and to showcase that we're happy to be different and go against the grain and also showcase that we like to consider, do we need this thing? We like to actually be very frugal with what it is we do. And everything has to have a purpose. So our attention to detail in that is quite important. But, so that's kind of more along the writing identity, but then the visual identity is things like your logo and your typography and your color palette, right? Mm. Your typical things. But then in brand, we've got the culture, we've got the feeling. Right? We've got the values, the vision statement, the mission statements, these kinds of things, personas as well, target audience, all of this sort of stuff. Uh, Let's just take it back a step. Yeah. So you were, you were doing branding for guys and girls, and then that was in the United States. 
you came back from the United States at some point. What happened from there? I don't know. I don't know what happened from there. So, when I came back, I was actually going to start or float this business, the same business model, but here in Australia. Totally different culture. Totally different culture around dating. Totally different culture. Um, you know, males and females interacting with each other, and also what they value and what they appreciate. So I thought, yeah, I can target something here in Australia because I, I knew the US market quite well with how to do this. What's the difference between the US market and the Australian market in regards to this? Dating. Dating branding thing. My personal branding. So over in the US, you could very comfortably say, uh, you know, hey, I do this for a living, or it's very status-based. And there's a, a huge amount of respect for people that have made it, that have worked hard for those sorts of positions of, of, of perceived power, let's call it, um, or perceived wealth. Uh, but here it's not as much of the same thing. So there's this idea that if you talk about success, um, you almost need to be humble in your approach here. You, over there it's valued. You can quite literally say, you know, I, I do this and I earn this and I earn this and whatever, and people will respond to you and respect you almost automatically. I believe that's kind of how, you know, we as Australians might really misunderstand like oh, how the heck did Donald Trump, someone like that, get into power, um, given that he doesn't have a political history. And this is kind of how, right? It's because of that culture that's really tailored towards that. Here that I don't think that that would happen as much. We just don't have that culture. We, um, we would tell that person to just sit down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, we would. <laughs> Calm down, son. Calm yeah. down. Oh, get ahead of yourself, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think that's because it's our English heritage is, is, you know, that kind of stems from that English heritage. Uh, yeah, and so in that way, you almost need to find ways of being able to show what you're good at, what you're passionate about, without really bragging, right? And that's where you found, and the difficulty was finding people to work in that with you in the business model? No, 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 I actually just found an opportunity with Concept On and lent into that instead. So Path of least resistance. There right? was a pivot in the initial concepts. Yeah. So how long did you do the first concept and then realize the change is better to go this way? Only building? a few months. And then I partnered with the right people that helped me found Concept On. Right. right. Uh, and that was just quite... Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely path of least resistance, quite miraculous, really. Just like, you know when things start to serendipitously just show up in your life, kind of how we met, right? They just randomly come about and it's like, wow, I didn't know I was looking for this and now I found it and this is an amazing opportunity and I'm just going to go with it. Mm. And the more you lean into these things, sometimes it's just easy. Everything flows. So how... So bringing teams together is always a challenge for any business. Right. So when you're, the lady in your branding is the one with the glasses. Right. She seems like you're, like you guys are partners in this. Absolutely, yeah. So how did you two start the business? Like what was the story there? So she, we were working uh, as sort of like an internal marketing team for another entrepreneur. And she actually hired me as a marketing manager. So she's our creative director. Her name's Charlotte. And Hello, she's, she's my, we joke around, she's my hubby <laughs> and I'm her wife. <laughs> she calls me the trophy wife. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, so I, 
in the business, I do more of the client-facing stuff and, and uh, business development, business management, and she does more of the project management and the creative direction as well. Mm -hmm. So um, we couple together because uh, I, we both know a lot in the marketing sphere. She is actually a master linguistics of French in the French language, but you know, obviously, and she's a French copywriter. So she understands copywriting principles as well, which is great. So uh, we can speak the same sort of language. I was in the photographic industry for about 10 years. So I do understand detail and design and, and, and uh, setting things up and what have you. So we both can speak similar languages and understand each other's expertise um, and offer support in that way. But yeah, we each kind of do have our focus within the business as well as business managers too. So she hired me and then we decided that we wanted to, to run the business together. She approached me and said, it doesn't exist without you, so let's do it together. And um, we ended up, yeah, we ended up starting Concept On. And you guys formed the, the brand together? Yeah. And how long ago was that? A year and a half now. Wow, cool. And so now that this, and what's it like? Because we all, we all know in the beginning, it's a bit scruffy. It's a bit, it's a bit rugged. No policies exist. It's all kind of on the it's on the cuff sometimes, right. and you, you 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 run with things as go. So what what's it been like for the first year? What, that growth process. Yeah, it's sort of been trial by fire. We it <laughs> yeah. and not just because of the times we live in, right? But <clears throat> obviously the you know um, COVID did really sort of. Yeah, I was going to lean into that. Yeah, it like did, it, starting a business in COVID. Well, we That's we actually started we started in November of 2019. That's when the company launched, and I actually went on holiday for two weeks straight away. Right, it was already booked, so I had to go away. And then I came back within two weeks. Charlie went away for Charlotte, also called Charlie. Uh, she went away for five weeks, and then we got back. We started really ramping up, and then COVID came about. So things changed. We had to move out of our office space uh, and we started adapting and working from home in, in a completely different market. And biz, you know, businesses started really holding on to their cash because the cash flow became the number one priority for all businesses everywhere. We, there was a lot of uncertainty with lockdowns and what have you. And our sphere at the time really tried to, we, tried, we were trying to break into the hospitality space. And that was the worst space we could have possibly been in. <laughs> so we have since sort of deviated and, and niched into medical. Uh, and, you know, I think that that was a smart choice for us as, as, um, as a business. Why did, why, so I can understand hospitality because, frankly, everyone was on the, um, the fortnightly payments from the, I forgot what that, that, that um, job seeker. Job seeker, that's right. Job seeker kicked in. Everyone's on that. So they're on survival funds, really. Yeah. So then, why did you, why did you as a team choose to go into the medical space of all the spaces? Why, why them? Central service mm -hmm. um, type of clientele uh, understand the value of branding as well. Uh, so, because branding is, it's a hard thing to conceptualize, and it's not that tangible. But we all know, we know Nike does pretty well; that they've got a pretty good brand. We know Apple does, we know McDonald's is fantastic. We see the golden arches everywhere. We see Coca-Cola everywhere, right? And we understand the value of a brand, but we don't understand how it gets from my backyard business to that, mm. right? There's a whole gap there. And that I think is what, 
our job is when we meet with our clients is to almost educate on the value of branding because it is a long-term game and it's not something that's easily quantifiable or measurable. Not easily. You can do it, of course, and we, we do that, but, um, but it's, not, it's not so simple for people to see, okay, well, in revenue between a year from here to here, how much increase is branding going to do for me if I rebrand and do a proper strategy, et cetera, right? Mm. From, as opposed to the, the backyard MS Paint logo that I created when I first started a year or two ago. Mm. So, and I think that when you're in that medical space, um, typically more consistently, those types of clientele will understand that they don't understand that. And they're like, I need to get a professional in to figure that out for me. They've got eight years of medical experience. Right. Or education, I should say. Then they get some funds, they set up a clinic, or they buy they, a clinic. They also have money as well, yeah. right? To, to be able to start up a business. And they understand that starting up a business requires capital. So you're, were you working mostly with GPs or, or cardio physio? I, I don't know what yeah, industries so are. In dentistry, dentistry also okay. GPs, uh, pharmacies as well. So. Pharmacies. Yeah. Dude, the amount of pharmacies. Fuck. Like there was a pharmacy guy and I was pushing him really hard before COVID to get like on online, get yeah. your e-commerce order. And his phrase was, well, I've got this small community here that I've been serving for the last 10 years or 20 years, whatever it was. And like, I'm quite happy. Then COVID comes through. He was like, oh my God, I've lost all my money. I don't have anyone. They can't come into my store. And I'm like, dude, you could have set up an Uber run. You could have had delivery by dispatch. You could have had your online site. Because he said he got to the point where the people had to wait at the front of the building. They got cranky because they had to be in a line sequence yeah. because they could only allow so many into the building because of the distance space. And so doing the, um, doing the pills, prescriptions, and just buying standard goods became a restriction on his cash flow, yeah. which if, in hindsight, if they had prepared it, uh, ahead of time or continue to progress to that direction, yeah. you probably would have uh, weathered the storm a heck of a lot better than after the storm's already on them and they gotta clean up the mess after it's done. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think preparation is key. What's that saying by Winston Churchill? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love, I love that because I, I know it in our business, that's literally what we're doing is we like to strategize and plan what, what it is that we're going to do and what it is we do for our clients. Uh, that being said though, I don't know if anyone could have really perceived the, the real breadth and depth of this pandemic and how it's kind of, yeah, I think, it, I think everyone was caught off guard a little bit in lots of different markets, but, but still the evolution was there and it looked like business was gonna go that way anyway. And there, there's conversations being had that you know, this particular pandemic accelerated technology adoption by something like seven to 10 years. And I, I believe that because there's a lot of people that had really were not adopters or late adopters of things like Uber Eats and uh, online shopping and eBay and stuff like me, early adopter, love it. Anything that can make my life easier, I'm gonna go do that. Mm. And if I don't have to walk through the shops and park and travel there, etc., like I'm all over that. See, like, even if we just focus on the medical space, the guys mm. who had already set up a site, mm. while they still had their existing medical locations, but still had set up uh, their appointment structures, having all of the pharmacies themselves, having all their products online for them to have them delivered, they 
killed it during the pandemic process. Like they racked in so much coin where others would have lost because of the convenience factor. So it, it is quite interesting to see that, that there is a lot of people that had like hurt during COVID. Yeah. But I call it a, like, it, it's their own fault really because they chose not to adopt. Yeah, not to be prepared to take on the technologies that were available to them to meet to the demands of what the client bases were requesting. In our own space, like we found a few people that were like, oh, it's gonna get better, it's gonna go back to normal. And I'm thinking like, I don't know, I think there's gonna be a new normal. I don't think it'll ever get back to what it was. And now it won't, it's mm. irreversible, the progress that we've made in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Now people have become accustomed to this kind of convenience, right? So because it forced a lot of adoption. Yeah, it did, it really did. Yeah. So. Is that what you're seeing now? Like people coming out like, dude, Josh, I gotta fix this. I don't know what fuck I'm doing. And I realize that because my business is down by 50%. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Hard part is, is that now cash flow is even tighter for that kind of business because they've been in that situation. Do they give you the squeeze? They're like, oh, yeah. dude, can you yeah. like drop your prices and yeah. all that kind of jazz? I mean, I think every every customer would do that anywhere when they can, right? And, and I mean, it's not like we're a $200 graphic designer over in mm, the Philippines. A fiver. Like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we, so, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of value in, in what we do. Uh, and yeah, we, we do try to make sure that we provide that value in as much tangible stuff as we can, right? Mm, yeah. Interesting. So, a common friend that we have is Andrew Walker, yeah. who you've been working with um, a sporting brand logo for him. Like, what's, what's your perspective? Like, when, when it comes to branding, you're right, you were touching on typography, you were addressing language, coloring, like, but it still comes down to the persona. So do you ever walk through, like, your buyer personas or X, you want to perceive yourself to be chasing these type of personas. So we're going to structure your branding into being why, which will equal your result that you want. Like, yeah, it's funny. I was talking to a market research company yesterday and they were like, what would be, because we're trying to find a package that we can help. Market research is an expensive you know, thing. It's, it's, and, and particularly when you're early on in business, it's hard to sort of pay for that. So we're trying to work on what we could offer SME businesses, like that kind of pro, um, client profile. And what can you break that down? What do you mean by market research? So like finding out um, what does your customer want? You know, what are the problems that they've got and what do they want solved? Uh, what do they like about maybe doing potentially doing business with you? What do they dislike? What are their barriers to doing business with you? This is all finding personas. A lot of the a lot of businesses in the SME sector tend not to be able to pay for that when they're starting up or in their in their first few years. Right. So when they come and do branding, it's a bit almost pie in the sky. It's like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my number one customer, but I don't really know. You know, I'm not really sure yet. So our, our, typically our, our best customer is actually someone that has been in business for a couple of years that is a bit more firm of, okay, well, I started doing this, but found the market wasn't quite right for it. So I ended up pivoting and going in this direction. Now I offer this product or service to this type of clientele when originally I thought it was this product or service to this type of clientele, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And it takes a couple of years for that to settle in. Yes. And then it's like their, their test case and they're like, cool, now I can make money from this. I'm solving a tangible problem. Everyone's happy. 
this is good, I'm gonna go for it. So now I'm taking it from my backyard business, I like to call it, into something that's a little bit more upscale. So I need branding sorted, I need a good website, I need, you know, et cetera, I'm investing now. So going that's, at that point, market research might be good. See, going back a second there, because that's usually where a lot of them, if they go with their perceived initial thought and it fails, commonly, half of them will die because of that, because they funded out, they're out, they're, they, they, they or fatigue, whatever. Like, usually they're out. But if they pivot quick enough right. to grab another thread of revenue, then the provision of change, if they're agile enough, grabs it. So, have you ever we run into- that. You did the same thing? We did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. were a creative agency doing graphic design and copywriting in silos. And we thought, no, we need to offer a point of difference. Let's join it together and become a branding agency where we, where we focus on brand. The combination of written visual communication and strategy, and that's what we'll offer our customer rather than just another graphic designer and just another copywriter. Does that make sense? So, see, just say that one more time. So, you, you were, what was the original direction? A creative agency, just creating content in some ways, graphic design and copywriting. So, we could still do websites, we could still you know, provide a lot of this material, but the focus was more in silos. They were separate disciplines. It's, so a brand agency combines all of that together under some strategy, which underpins that. Was that like, uh, for example, the only name I can think of is um, Perf Web Design, where they just build a website and... Right. Or... So like, say for example, I, I mean... I'm afraid I to say other names, actually. <laughs> I won't name any names, yeah. but let's say you've got a web design company and they specialize in that. They may not be as good with brand application or creating a consistent feeling across all of the parts of that website that are singing the same song as, say, the social media mm. and the email signature and the business cards and the logo and what about the office space? All of this stuff has got to send the same message. So. I always bring it back to this. Uh, I think this is the easiest way of explaining branding. We all have the people we hang out with most, our best friends, our family, etc. We tend to hang out with them not because of how they look, you know, right? How they dress, you know, what their face looks like. We don't hang out with them because of what they do on the day job either. We hang out with them because of how they continue to make us feel consistently. And brand is no different. A brand becomes a person. So when I had divided it up into identity and brand, Brand is the internal, it's the feeling, right? It's the culture within that company. Right. It's the feeling when the, the, the customers walk in or they interact with that brand in any way, opening up a product, calling them on the phone, it's the entire experience for them. Nice. Also, it's the employees when they come into work too and how they feel about coming to work. And so that's the internal. The, the, the identity is how we perceive that. So I know how you make me feel, but how I relate that is like classical conditioning, right? You ring a bell, you give a dog a treat, you ring a bell, give a dog a treat, and then after a while, his mouth will start salivating as soon as you ring the bell. Now when I see you, and I know that you look the way you look, I'm like, cool, I feel this way when I'm around this person. And I automatically start feeling that, right? So in the same way when we see the golden arches, we're like, ah, oh, for some reason I'm hungry. Or when I see a Coca-Cola sign, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm thirsty. Right? And this is that association, that consistent application, that association between A and B, right? The, the, the identity and the feeling, that's what branding is. Fist bump. Right? Fist bump. That's cool.
Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's right? really cool. I like it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So really, branding's still the same. It hasn't really changed. Like, it's just, they're refining. Hang on, let me gather my thoughts here. So, okay. So the process of branding of what you're saying is, it, it hasn't it hasn't changed. The message is still the same. It's just knowing more about it, really. Right. It's just, frankly, it's quite psychological. It is. And it's it in its, really in its is. essence. Yeah. It, it really is. And then what I've found is that there are two angles when it comes to. I've heard it described by other professionals in this space as being branding and marketing, but I disagree. I believe it's all marketing, but I also believe marketing encompasses sales as well. Negotiation, customer relationship, it's all marketing. All of it is. Any touch point you have with a potential customer, not just a customer, but any potential customer, it's all marketing at the end of the day. Branding is one component of that. It's the starting point. It's the way you say you want all of those other touch points to go, how you want them to look, how you want that customer to feel when they interact at any point. But I also believe that there's advertising, so I break it up that way. Advertising is generating leads, you know, and, and almost forcing people to come and buy your stuff. In a, in a way, you're, you're pushing ads in front of people to try and generate leads and convert sales and retain customers, etc. But then you've got branding. Brand is built over time, right? It's an investment. And now you'll see that Coca-Cola, rather than actually advertising particular products, they advertise their brand because it's become so big that you can, that, uh, that consistency, that feeling, the habituation of seeing that and feeling thirsty, that has now become gold in and of itself. They don't need to actually push individual products. So what we do is we're more of a long-term game because branding helps to generate organic leads. I'm so glad you're saying this. Dude, you have no idea. Keep going. So it helps to generate organic leads. When you get those organic leads, a mm. brand, a good brand, helps to sell that, convert that sale much easier and convert upsellability. It helps to retain that tribe of people that adore you, adore your brand. Apple lovers will buy a new product and they know that it's going to be reliable, even when it's not. Dude, I have had many a conversations with people who it, it makes me a bit sad actually because like for real there's so many businesses that will have been around for 20 years and their structural advertisement is based on the paid structure i will pay for this advertisement i will stick out a statement coupon discount uh, seasonal sale, whatever it is, to bring business into me, and we'll see how it goes. That's it. But then it's marketing from 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, it's but just this old school. But this approach of like create content so that they understand the message that you stand for, right? And then through the content you're 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 you're, you're just sharing to the world, that then builds, as you state, the tribe the the community and then that community builds trust with you because they've built a mostly a digital relationship and then through that Absolutely. they expect to receive the same type of ex experience or exp 
excuse me, exposure when they're talking with one of the team in, internally. So when they get on the call with somebody. So, and, the, and I find it really difficult because I got some good friends in their 40s and 50s who are still in business. And I'm like, dude, you gotta start a channel. You gotta create some content. You gotta get going. He's like, mm, I don't know. What's my return on investment for doing that? And I'm like, you're a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're not gonna get a return on investment. Because you're investing. It's not going to be tangible at that yes. time, right? I, I it is still a return. That. It's hard to quantify that return. Yes, right? that's probably more accurate. You invest to plant the seed with no expectation it's going to come back other than maybe two to three years down the road. Because frankly, no one trusts you yet. You're just, you're just a new kid on the block. Or maybe you've been around the block for a while and you've got a small group of people who believe, who believe in you. But now you've got to... Now you listen to other people are going to have a listen to you and they got to figure out if you're legit or full of shit. And if they, if you're legit and you build that trust, then you're off to the races. But the, the, the difficulty is, is being consistent and continuing the journey. And it's not like that's the hard part, the consistency approach, because so many people burn out. You know? Your key word there is consistency. And one of the things I love to say, I don't think we really appreciate as individuals much, is in any kind of relationship, personal, professional, romantic, family, friends, it doesn't matter. Consistency, even just strangers down the street, consistency breeds trust, mm. right? Consistency breeds trust. But inconsistency breeds distrust. So we, we understand the positive, almost all of us. We get that. But I don't think we really recognize and give weight to the opposite of that. And that is so quickly to instill in the minds of others. So if, for example, everything else is presenting well and you go to my LinkedIn and you go you grab my business card, everything's great, the email's great, but you go to our website and it's like, oh, that doesn't look like it matches up. How confident am I that these guys are going to solve my problem versus another competitor that actually did show up in every capacity the way they said they would? Mm, right? mm, mm. Maybe I'll choose them instead. So it's... Yeah, it's about having that attention to detail to create a consistent feeling across all of the touch points. And that ultimately is what branding is. Distilling the feeling and getting the identity to match that feeling. It's, it's, it's really hard for the early stages, like the first three to four years of a, because we're in the e-commerce space, the e-commerce businesses that, like we're talking about, they're all working through things. They, they get their first products, they test it, they chuck it on a marketing channel just to MVP it get some success, super pumped, reinvest the revenue, go back for a second round, go back for a third round, put it on the site, build the site up. And that process goes really well. You do get the, the odd occasion where they're like, funded. <laughs> the lucky ones. Show, uh, <laughs> throw a ton of money <laughs> yeah. at advertising. Good on them for those people, hey, yeah. why not? But like, to every one of those is probably like 30 or 40 of yeah. like organic builders. Yeah. And the organic builders, like, you know. I mean, they do it tough, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They really do. It's trial by far the whole way, you know, and it's, it's just trying to build that community. You know what, you know what sucks about that? It's, it's about, you're like, I need to progress here and I don't have any room to breathe. So any decision I need to make, I liken it to this, and I've talked to Charlie about this many times. It's like you're in a desert, your car's broken down, you have a finite amount of water but you don't know which direction is the closest one to, to water or to the, to the gas station or whatever it is to help. And you're like, 
I know I need to start moving because if I don't, I'm just going to drink the water standing here. So I have to move in a direction. I have to make decisions. Yes. And sometimes those decisions are going to be bad and they're not going to be in the right direction they need to go. So you're like doing this all the time. The idea is to eventually get there before, before the water runs out, right? <laughs> before the well runs out. And then eventually, you know, you, you, you sort of make it. But those decisions that you've got to make in, in that scenario, they're tough. They're mm. really tough. Never heard that analogy. I'm going to keep that one. Yeah. That's a good one. Dude, I, I want to just talk outside of this. So I'll like cut this to an end. If, if someone was wanting to, just to close it up, know about the future of branding or how they can address, you know, actually the future of branding, what, what's a direction to give people so that they can prepare just if they could action something, what, what's something you can look at, knowing what you know? What could we do besides giving you a call? <laughs> it depends on who you talk to. So like I've, I've been starting to run workshops and it's funny that we talk about return on investment as well. And I wanted to quickly address that because when I do workshops, there is a monetary value in it. I get paid to run workshops. I do. I definitely, it's not a good use of my time, right? Like it's not as... Um, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of prep and what have you. I do it because of the, the perceived value that, A, I become a thought leader in this space, right? People may think, okay, I'm going to go to that person for advice, and I want people to. I want people to uh, ask me questions about branding, and I'm happy to help them because I don't know. I'm building that trust and that relationship with that person, which then may go and tell five other people that then might... That, that are starting a business that may have that funding that could work with me. And that's fine. So I give away this information for free, right? I'm happy to do that. And in that way, as I've been doing these workshops and working with people and providing them with free advice, uh, one of the things that I come up with for the SME space particularly is personas. I think personas are an absolute goldmine. You can reverse engineer everything from a persona, right? Once you've defined your persona, you then say, cool, you've defined who they are, where they are geographically, what they're, you know, if they're married, if they're educated. You've then, at that point, you've understood how do they want to be spoken to. Okay, but more than that, what problems do they have, right? What are their interests, their general interests? What are their barriers to potentially doing business with me? So the problems that they have that I can solve, now we start looking at product to market fit, right? Because there's no point creating a product that no one wants to buy. That doesn't solve the problems that anybody in your location, uh, your business location actually has, right? So it's like, cool, I need to make sure that my product to market fit is there. So you've done your personas, then you've got a rough audience from that. You've done your product to market fit. You've then defined your product as well. And at this point, because of your personas too, you're understanding how to communicate with them on a logical level and an emotional level. So on a logical level, we talk about what features. Now, I'm a logic-driven person. I'm like, yep, cool, I need a faster laptop. Now, that's logical, so I will look for a faster laptop to do certain things. But emotionally, what I need is more time to do other stuff, right? To do the stuff I want to do. So I want to buy a laptop that enables me... To, to spend more time doing the things I like. That's an emotional grab versus the logical one. So I can understand how I'm communicating with the different types of audiences I have. Are they logic driven? Are they emotional driven? You know, and then crafting communication that way. So yeah, look, I, I, all, I always think it comes from personas too, but 
if you were to go one step ahead, defining your core values is wicked. Because any decision that is tough always has to come back to the core values. Does this serve what the business is about, the values of it? So in summary, core values with your personas to line those two together. Absolutely. In your product and your service and your customer service, everything. Cool. Josh, thanks for coming on, my man. We're going to talk outside of this, but yeah. How, if people wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? Try me on LinkedIn, you can send me an email, you can give me a phone call. All of that is available online. Josh at conceptdon.com.au. Zero four double ten seven four one eight. All right, I'll put it in the notes. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. Cool. Good chat. Likewise. Yeah. We're done.